Dropping once. Now throwing long down the left side. Slaughter has it. He's going in for a touchdown. The Browns have won the game. Throwing deep down the left side. Slaughter is open. He got the ball. Third and goal, Kaiser with a toss, it's dropped, it's loose. The Jets are around the football, they think they have it, and they do. It is just so, so depressing seeing the Browns get so, so close to victory every time, and they just make senseless mistakes every game that leads them to another L every week. Here at First Energy Stadium, where the Browns fall to 0 and 5 after a disheartening and disappointing 17 to 14 loss. It's just not going well, and there's obviously changes that need to be made up top, and it's going to work its way down. I'm ready to move on from everybody on the roster. Kicker Zane Gonzalez, like last week, had an opportunity from about 48 yards to give the Browns the lead. He missed that field goal, then missed another one at the end of the first half from about 39 yards. The Browns, they motion one of them. The sound, the throw, is intercepted. Kendrick with the interception, or rather Marcus May with the interception for the Jets. Do something. Do something now. I want to win now. I'm sick of losing, okay? I'm too old for this. Opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to score and really put this game away. In fact, they could have been up 20 to nothing. Hogan looked great today. Let's see what happens. Don't don't be sad. Let's see what happens. Browns had every opportunity to be the ones doing the boat racing, and they should have. A brilliant defensive effort early from this football team. The offense moving the ball, but again, turnovers in the red zone, missed field goals, missed opportunities, and a missed chance at a big win for this football team. Now they're 0-5, headed to Houston. Wow. Wow. My DBN brothers and sisters. I'm a Browns fan through thick and thin. You are listening to Straight No Chaser. My name is Thelonious7, bringing it to you on the DBN Network. This is the morning after edition of Straight No Chaser. This is pretty much what I do. I watch the onside kick get recovered by the Jets, and I watch the Jets go into victory formation. And I was at a complete loss for words. So... I had another glass of red wine. You know, I guess I'm becoming more and more like LeBron James in my old age. I put on Easy Weave's uh, post-game show when I went to bed. I feel particularly bad about this kind of loss because it, it messes up the way that I relate to people in my life who don't care about football, which is pretty much most of the people around me. I don't want to spend a lot of time thinking about this game, especially right after that loss. For me, this was a generational loss. The type of loss that causes a crisis in fandom. It makes you wonder if you should be even watching football at all. Now for me, uh, I had a couple alternate paths in my life that I could have taken. I could have been a, kind of a songwriter, singer, whatever. I did that for a little bit. Spent some time in the studios. Uh, but the other path that I almost took in my life was to be a poker player. I was kind of close there for a while. And um, 
I want to talk about um, this game. I want to make five quick points about the game, and then I want to get out of here. Uh, but first, I wanted to give you a poker analogy that kind of reminds me of uh, kind of the way that it felt to watch this game. After that, I'll talk about momentum, Zane Gonzalez, the quarterback controversy, and what to do about Hugh Jackson. But starting with the poker metaphor, watching this game kind of reminded me of uh, a slow motion suck out. I don't know if you guys really play a lot of Texas Hold'em or know about the game, but to me, it's a situation where I felt like we had our opponent dominated all day long. Like we went in with Ace King and they had Ace Two. And then everything just sort of happened in slow motion. People talk about that time, that moment, when you know you're going to lose. This happened uh, for me in the first quarter when Kaiser pitched the ball just outside the outstretched arms of Isaiah Crowell. I mean, literally, you start out ahead, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you give a possession, that random two shows up, and then a freakish turn of events that should rarely happen. You are coming away with no points after three times in the red zone. And here's where you get to that mythical topic of momentum and decision-making. And this is a good poker again for this analogy too. People talk about momentum in poker and it's the same for football. It's a really strange topic because basically every good decision should be a good decision in a vacuum as well as in reality. And for a long time, I believed that it was this way uh, in poker and in life too. But then I started to see that the effect momentum kind of has on the game of poker and in football as well. And it works in a good and a, and a bad way too. In the second quarter, uh, in the previous weeks uh, of games, teams were able to put up points in bunches on the Browns. And this is called a rush. This is a rush that the teams had uh, against us. And it happens the other way too, where poor decisions breed ever worsening conditions. And this is called a tilt. And it isn't even fair to say that tilting always comes from poor decisions. I mean, it does. But tilting also comes from bad luck. And in the Browns' case today, they had their share of both bad luck and poor decisions. And these things were related. So Hugh Jackson sent his kicker out to make a makeable kick. You know, two makeable kicks. And it was unlucky that they were both, you know, wide and Gonzalez had his issues. We'll get back to Gonzalez in a second. But he allowed the negative impact of that missed kick to cloud his judgment with the next decisions that he made. And he didn't make the correct play because he did not trust his odds. Now, let's talk about these odds and how we got here. We watched the kicking the kicking competition in preseason. At the beginning of the year, I predicted that Parkey had done enough to merit the job based on the made field goals which he had. You know, I thought that's the most important thing with a kicker. Basically, the record of making field goals uh, since it's such a, a huge thing for the game in the game situation. But the Browns thought otherwise. And they selected Gonzo because of his big leg on kickoffs. And really, as the season has unfolded, I would say we, we didn't need his big leg on the kickoffs as much as we needed his trickery on onside kicks. And uh, he's been unsuccessful in both, in both fields for me. You know, I wouldn't be saying this if this competition uh, during the, the preseason was a tie or if it was fairly close. You know, but I think that Parkey clearly won the kicking battle as the more experienced, accurate kicker. And on top of this, he had a year working with the specialists. He had already gone through the growing pains and won, but the Browns sent him packing. And now, he was a kicker that he doesn't trust. 
That's definitely a, a situation where the front office and the coaching staff have some issues that they have to work through. And to me, I'm not sure if this is a coaching issue or a brain trust issue. For me, it might be a, a Greg, Ta- uh, I'm sorry, not Greg Tabor, a Chris Tabor decision. Or it could be also a brain trust move to validate the selection of Gonzalez at all in the draft. But quite frankly, I'm not even really sure how Tabor has a job. I mean, the team has lost game after game after game on sports, on poor special teams play. And he's been a fixture in Cleveland for years. I've watched uh, these units for five weeks. And basically, I don't want to see Jabril Peppers ever return a kick uh, for the Cleveland Browns again. For me, I feel like they need a guy who's much faster. You can't be at the NFL level as well, making mistakes on whether to field kicks in critical situations. I don't think that this guy is an NFL player as of yet, and at least not on defense at deep safety. Definitely not at all special teams. For me, I feel like Jabril Peppers is a, a case of the wrong guy who's in the wrong place. And there, and there are more than one guy uh, who's in the wrong place on this team. Now, the first and the most prominent guy in this position is it's got to be Deshaun Kaiser. I've heard people say that they never want to see him play quarterback again, for this year at least. And I said it last week. Right now, Hogan is probably a better option. He just is. And uh, he was a better option in week two, a better option in week four, and he is right now. There is no way that they would have lost that game with Hogan starting. But like I said, I don't think that the Browns' brain trust is really that concerned about winning. They really want to see a chance for a guy like Kaiser to develop and be a long-term starter for the organization. Uh, But as good as Hogan is, I mean, I don't think he's necessarily a better quarterback prospect than Deshaun Kaiser. I don't know how good Hogan can be or if he can lead the Browns out of the cellar in the AFC North. But it's just a problem with Kaiser. He's just not ready, and the situation could not have gone worse for the Browns. I mean, we talked about this at the beginning of the year. The pressure to win it over in five is too much for any rookie. It wouldn't be so bad, but now the team is 1-20, and and that is four times lower than the Mendoza line when it comes to Hugh Jackson's winning percentage. What's worse is it doesn't get any easier. They got a tough week, even with Watt out, on the road in Houston as they battle the Titans. Which, oh, sorry, and then they battle the Titans, which might provide an outside chance for a victory descent depending on the health of Marcus Mariota. And then the Vikings in London. At this point, if they ended up 0-8, someone's probably fired. Not that I want to see anyone lose their livelihood, but if it does, it has to be Chris Tabor, right? 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 It's not acceptable to have two seasons like this. I think that Hugh could lead an underperforming team like Petten have through had through a brick wall but with the guys he has now there's just far too much inexperience I'm still advocating keeping you and putting the losses basically on H3 for the time being but if you're trying to build the best team you probably don't mind taking losses the way that they're taking in 2017 to position yourself for 2018 I know that Sashi doesn't want to take direct responsibility for the product on the field, but H3 needs to be honest with themselves when they're role in this situation. 
At the same time, I gotta take a step back from you due to his poor game time decision making. I mean, everything about the, the play to kick the field goal or not to kick the field goal was questionable. For me, it was sending Gonzo on the field, burning a timeout, uh, deciding needlessly to take a reckless tact. I mean, these were all bad enough, but the decision to go for it, as questionable as it was, is in some way justifiable, in abstraction at least. But it was an abstract. The momentum swing that resulted from that action was the difference in the game. And if it was that important, it needs to be a far better play call. It needs to be executed with an element of surprise. And everything about that play left me scratching my head. And now Jackson has a choice on his record, has that choice on his record, and is developing a reputation for being a poor in-game decision maker. Still in your corners, you, but bro, please learn from these mistakes and show us something different in the future. As it stands, you gotta go four and seven in the rest of the games to make easy scenario as a somewhat successful season for the Browns. I'm not sure if Kaiser can be saved, but Jackson can still keep his job if he can find a way to right the ship. The team is definitely better, but they gotta put the Kaiser experiment on hold for now. Fight like dogs to get the next three, uh, to get a win in the next three before they hit the bye week. Well, with that, we can put this one in the books. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to listen to this and all the shows at DBN Network. Please leave a comment in the comment section as we really relish the opportunity to discuss these and other matters with the good people at Dogs by Nature. Well, that was your dose of the straight truth. You've been listening to Straight No Chaser. I'm your host, Thelonious 7 on the DBN Network. Take care. Cassidy kneeling at the 17, 37-yard attempt to kick his up. It is good. The Browns have won the game. The Browns have won the game in double overtime. 23-20, and the stadium is gone for sure. Hello, you are listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play. Brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories. Like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0. Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.